right, everybody, welcome to episode number 66 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you, little buddy? Oh, please forgive me. I completely forgot that Chris is not with us tonight. Unfortunately, we could not get our schedules to match up this week, but rest assured, Chris will be back next week. But with all that said, we can't possibly stop Hudson Valley Horror Month from moving forward, can we? So I'm going to be tackling this episode all by my lonesome. Oh, hey, whoa, I didn't get started yet. And speaking of being by yourself, I can assure you that you would never want to be all by yourself when running into the topic of tonight's episode. Because tonight, everybody, we are discussing none other than the infamous Woman in Black of Rhinebeck, New York. And if you haven't heard of her, join the club, because neither did I until a few days ago. But that's neither here nor there, because my God, good people, we're here tonight in the beautiful village of Rhinebeck, New York. That's right, Rhinebeck, New York. And for those of you that may not know, allow me to give you a brief Rundown on this beautiful town. Rhinebeck is located oh so snugly in the northwest corner of Dutchess County. And if you head just a tad bit north to the west, you're going to see the beautiful Catskill Mountains. And if you're feeling a bit adventurous, to the northeast, we have the Berkshire Mountains. Oh, Massachusetts. So as you can imagine, the landscape of this area is second to none. So... There's the town of Rhinebeck, which encompasses a larger geographical area. And then we have the village of Rhinebeck. And that's where you have all your restaurants, stores, etc. So for the purpose of tonight's tale, let's focus solely on the village of Rhinebeck. The village is quite small. It consists of roughly 2,500 residents. So, I mean, we're talking about a very small population. It's one of these one-light, four-corner towns... It could be any town USA, if you will. And the village center is filled with commerce, meeting any need or desire you may have. Well, maybe not every desire, but uh, you get the gist of what I'm trying to say here. Just because this village is filled with charm doesn't mean it doesn't have its fair share of weirdos, does it? Oh, no, no. But uh, please, guys, enough about the 2021 version of Rhinebeck. Tonight's story takes place in none other than 1893 Rhinebeck. That's right, Rhinebeck of the late 19th century. And believe it or not, the population was not that far off from the 2021 version. Because in 1890, the village of Rhinebeck was reported to have a population of 1,649 people. Roughly 1,000 less than they have today. But uh, we're talking about the time when automobiles were first coming out. I believe they were invented around 1885 or so. So we're talking, you know, that first decade of automobiles. And with a town like this, even though it did have access to the Hudson and, like I said, trade and commerce and whatnot, many of the streets were dirt roads. Many of the residents were riding around in horse and buggies, if not on horseback itself. Easy blue balls. And I'm imagining back then they were probably... Tons of bicycles, unicycles, monocles, who the hell knows? But that kind of sets the tone for what we're dealing with, right? Because, I mean, we're talking about the late 19th century, so you're going to have areas 
of a town that are quite desolate. And uh, that's just a matter of fact. That's what's going to play a major role in tonight's story. As I said, we're speaking of the little-known case, I'd say, of the woman in black of Rhinebeck. And this story is truly haunting, especially if you like this kind of stuff. And I, I love stories like this because you really just don't know. There's really no concrete evidence, but on the same token, there's no way to completely deny the claims. So with all that said, let's get into it. Who was the woman in black? Well, she wasn't your ordinary citizen, I'll say that much. From all accounts, this woman would appear at night dressed in all black, head to toe, even wearing a black veil. Now, here's the strange part. She was said to be around six foot four, had very long arms, and was extremely thin. And some people said she moved around in a very cryptic manner. And to make matters worse, there were various reports that whenever she was approached by someone, she would simply extend her very exaggerated long arms out from underneath her black gown and begin hissing at the passerby. F that. Somebody did that to me, I'd hit the bricks. And it seems that most of the townsfolk agreed with me because they did just that. <laughs> Upon interacting or the lack of interacting, I should say, with the woman black, these people took off and ran for the goddamn hills. Now, you can imagine when you start hearing these claims throughout the village, there are going to be some people who are obviously very skeptical, and there are others who are probably fearful right from the start. Myself, I would be one of the skeptical ones. And unfortunately, the way the world works, you know, it all depends on who's making the claim. If it's coming from a more notable resident or someone that's highly regarded in the community, of course that claim is going to be taken with much more credibility. So let's get into some of these sightings, shall we? So the first sighting came from a gentleman named John Judson. So as the story goes, Mr. Judson was walking home roughly around 10 p.m., and he was making his way down what some might say is the most beautiful street in Rhinebeck, Chestnut Street. As lovely as Chestnut Street is, or was at the time, it seems as it wasn't so blissful the night old Johnny went for a stroll. He says that he encountered this woman in black. According to him, she didn't do anything bizarre. She wasn't hissing. She didn't flap her arms in the air. She wasn't trying to scare him or anything. She just stood there in the middle of the street, all six foot four inches of her, covered in a black gown and black veil. I don't know about you, but to me, this figure just standing still and not moving, that's a little bit more horrifying than the flapping of the arms and the hissing. Because you just don't know what the hell this thing's capable of or what it's going to do. So this story starts to spread around town. And old Judson here found that his claims of the interaction that night were being met with half skepticism and laughs and half fear. You know, you can imagine those that believe in this type of stuff would be fearful. And then there were those that are, think this kind of stuff is bullshit. But that would all change because that's when some of the more notable residents of the town began to experience the same thing. And remember, I said that the claims began to be taken a little more seriously when they came from certain residents. And, uh... David Eckert was one of those residents. He was a well-known businessman in the area, and he was well-respected throughout the village. 
And he obviously has a reputation to protect, so you could assume that he wouldn't want his name associated with something that people are very skeptical about. You know, As a businessman, you want to earn the trust of your clients and the people in your town. I think with all those factors, the claims that Ackert make are taken a bit more seriously. So let's get into that, shall we? So the night after John Judson ran into the woman in black on Chestnut Street, it seems that David Ackert had his own encounter with the woman in black. It is not noted where this interaction took place, but you can assume that it was obviously within the village limits and most likely happening around dusk when he's closing up his business. And here's what Ackert had to say. Even though he was roughly six feet tall, he found himself still having to look up at the woman in black. So... You know, that coincides with what Judson said. Obviously, she's over six foot, especially if Ackert's six foot and he's looking up to her. Furthermore, Ackert goes on to say that, and I quote here, She shrank and began making a hissing sound. I felt a shivering sensation, for she was so tall and slim and piratical looking. Now, this wasn't the last of the encounters. The next person to encounter the woman in black was a gentleman by the name of Thomas Sinclair. And here's what old Tommy had to say. He said, and I quote, She was pacing in the middle of the road with her head bent low and her arms collapsed behind her. He said, <laughs> upon seeing this, <laughs> he took one look and split. <laughs> well, no shit. So yeah, there's a couple more sightings after this, and they're all pretty much similar. They see this woman walking in the middle of the night in a very bizarre manner. So anybody who happened to encounter this woman simply split. So the reports just keep coming in. The next comes from a school teacher by the name of Florence Welsh. And who could you trust more than a school teacher, right? Unless you go back and listen to uh, last week's episode about Albert Frentress. So now, this is our first sighting that seems to happen a little bit earlier in the evening. This encounter happens around 5 p.m. That's when Florence was walking home from her friend's house, walking back past the school where she was employed. Apparently, according to her, she looked through the window, and the woman in black was sitting at one of the student's desks. So now she's making her way inside of buildings. You know, up until this point, all the sightings were taking place on desolate side streets in the late evening. Now, this is our first sighting happening inside a building and roughly around 5 p.m. We don't know if this woman ended up breaking into this building or if she was indeed an apparition or a figment of the townsfolk's imagination. We don't know. So you can imagine at this point, Florence is scared shitless. She actually begins running. She takes off. She doesn't stick around to find out what the hell is going on. She does report it to the police. They promise to go on a manhunt and quote-unquote capture the creature. Unfortunately, that never happened. It seems that there were more reports coming in daily from all over the town. So I would imagine at this point, you know, you're shutting up shop early. You're just staying locked inside your house <laughs> at all costs, right? You don't, you're not even taking a dog out for a walk at this point. So the encounters keep happening for a few more days, and that's when things seem to reach their boiling point. And uh, that's when our, I want to say the village hero, the village blacksmith, Robert Shriver, gets involved. He ran into the woman in black one night, 
And <laughs> as the story goes, he did not wait to have any kind of interaction with her at all. Our man Robbie was locked and loaded and ready to go. And that's exactly what he did. So according to Shriver, he had a gun on him. And upon seeing her, he proceeded to take three close range shots at her. And according to him, he hit her, but they had no effect on her. Upon being struck by the bullets, she simply ran into the woods and disappeared into the night. I mean, I don't know if we can really condone what Shriver did here. We're not looking to uh, kill someone just because they're hissing and wearing all black. Jesus. But uh, this is what Shriver decided to do. And uh, lucky for the woman in black, she was unfazed by the bullets. So we got to ask ourselves now, is this woman real or is this some kind of ghostly figure? An apparition of some sort? Let me tell you, we don't know because this mystery is still unsolved to this day. Some chalk this up to folklore and some people within the village of Rhinebeck were so convinced that this story was real, it actually made its way onto the front page of the New York Herald. And all the encounters that we talked about were noted in the article. So people obviously weren't hesitant to give information about their eyewitness accounts. So whatever this was, they obviously believed that this was a real person. Everyone that they interviewed, whether it be our first victim, John Judson, to our last victim, Robert Shriver, they all gave their testimony and they were steadfast in their convictions that they 100% believe that the woman in black was indeed real. So the article in the New York Herald didn't take any shots at the people. They, they seem to have taken this story very seriously. So the New York Herald ends up saying the following, and I quote, Every resident of Rhinebeck is perfectly satisfied that the woman in black is a reality, but not one of them can think of who she can be. There is nobody near here who answers the description of the mysterious creature, and there is no family that harbors a crazy person. The nearest asylum is at Poughkeepsie, and that is the Hudson River Psychiatric Center that we talked about last week. And no lunatic has escaped from that institution. To add to the mystery, the strange creature is never seen in the daylight, and no one has stumbled upon her in any hiding place. So it sounds like everyone initially wanted to believe that this was a hoax. There were some accounts that the police thought maybe it was some local uh, kids trying to create a stir and scare the shit out of everybody. And the police actually had some kids in mind. I guess they were known as local troublemakers. But uh, it seems that upon further investigation, it was not those kids at all. So this left the police completely baffled as well. So whether the police wanted to admit it or not, they obviously must have believed that this woman in black was indeed a real person because... You know, remember we said that they were quoted as saying that they were going out to catch the creature of the night. Luckily for the woman in black, and unluckily, I might add, for the people of Rhinebeck, they never did. So let's wrap this thing up. The possibilities of what or who the lady in black was or is are limited. We're, we're either looking at a human being who just wants to be left alone walking around the streets at night, not bothering anybody. You know, if somebody approaches you and you don't want to interact with them, hissing's a good way to get them away from you. I might have to try that someday. All these accounts that we have, she never physically attacked or hurt anyone. 
She just scared the shit out of them. But I guess that was enough to get the ball rolling. On the same token, you can totally see why the residents of Rhinebeck were very concerned about (laughs) running into the woman in black. Now, our other option is that this was a ghost or entity of some sort. And for the first couple of encounters, I would say, no, I didn't think it was. Because obviously people were saying that she was just standing there and was, you know, trying to scare them a bit, but really didn't do much. And then eventually just left or they ran away, whatever. That's a statement that seems very realistic. But the one encounter that you have to really begin to question is Robert Shrivers. And that's the gentleman that claimed to have shot the woman in black three times. And apparently those bullets either went right past her or ricocheted right off of her. He claimed that her body was pretty much impenetrable. Then that leads you to believe that, yeah, maybe this was some kind of spirit, if you believe in that kind of thing. Our last option is that this was all made up and the people of Rhinebeck were all in on this together. But, uh, you know, that would be quite the undertaking to have a whole town be in on the same hoax. But you can't put it past people. Who the hell knows? I'm looking at this and I'm going to say that I do indeed believe that the woman in black was a real person. Initially, I thought it was bullshit. That wasn't until I started researching this case, and I came across a story which took place in 2014. It seems that in the summer of 2014, there was a mysterious woman dressed in all black who was seen wandering along the highways of Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, and West Virginia. And the story is eerily similar to what happened in Rhinebeck in 1893. People approached this woman and asked if they can help her in any way, if she needed anything. She didn't say a single word. She just kept walking past them. And then sometimes she'd even get confrontational with them. And there were other instances where people began mocking her. So it it sounds very eerie and, you know, you can kind of make light of it. But uh, once it was revealed what this woman's story was, you know, there was nothing funny about it. Later on that summer of 2014, the woman in black was later identified as 54-year-old Elizabeth Poles, and she had been going through some very difficult times recently. She was a U.S. Army veteran, a mother of two, and recently became a widow, and it seems that her father died the following year. And... To deal with this, she began seeking psychological treatment, and that may have not worked out well for her, so she began acting in this very bizarre manner. So that's a lesson to all of us, you know, you can see things that seem odd to you or bizarre, and you might want to make light of it, but you really never know what someone's going through. So, you know, you see this woman in black walking down the street, you think, oh man, she's completely fucked up or whatever and deranged. But in this instance, it was a mother of two who became a widow and fell on some very hard times. So upon reading that story, that led me to believe that the woman in black in 1893, Rhinebeck, was indeed real. And I would go along with the same idea that she might have been suffering from some kind of mental illness and had nowhere else to turn and then therefore dealing with it in her own way. Because obviously, in the late 19th century, there was no dealing with uh, mental health issues. Basically, you were on your own. And if they thought you were nuts, they were locking you away in a room and throwing away the key. So even look at the quote that we used from the New York Herald. They referred to the people at the Hudson Valley Psych Center as lunatics. I mean, that would never fly today. And rightfully so. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the woman in black 
of Rhinebeck was indeed real. And I'm going to also add this little tidbit. I think Robert Shriver's story of shooting her three times was bullshit. I think he made that up. I think he was probably just as scared as the rest of uh, the people in our story. So take that, Shriver. And I'm glad I came across this story because I was trying to find something that I could do quick and relatively painlessly without Chris. And this is a story that really got no play at all. I was lucky enough to find two articles that I used for reference on this episode. And uh, let me give credit to these guys. One was by my man Nick Redfern from an article entitled A Horror of the Hissing Kind. And the second article that I used was by a gentleman named Chris Woodyard. And that article was entitled The Mistresses of the Dark. The ghost wore black. And I do appreciate those two gentlemen writing those articles because they were basically all I had to go off of because you cannot find much on the woman in black of Rhinebeck. With all that said, let me give the rundown and uh, I'm going to get the hell out of here. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or you can get in touch with me on Instagram at the Between the Cracks podcast. If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, the link to that will be in the show notes. There are different tiers, and you can see what each tier offers. So with all that said, I think it's time I wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest. Oh, a farewells. <laughs>